What's up, Repraiser family? We are back with another Bible study message for you. And we are in week three of our sermon series, We Are All the Minister. And week three's message is being delivered by yours truly, me, myself, Elaine Jones. And in my message, I am talking surrounding my topic about how this is a Christ walk, not always a cakewalk. Talking about the importance of staying on that narrow path, though it is a difficult path to travel, it is definitely not impossible. I also take a look at a biblical figure and what we can learn from his story to stay on this narrow path. I truly hope and pray that after hearing this message, it resonates with you and it empowers you. Thank you, sister, for the warm welcome. And thank you all for tapping in on this Saturday for Bible study. I pray that you all are doing blessed um, and well. Let me get everything together on my end over here. Um, and I also just want to thank Repray Share, you know, Angie and Sean, um, the heads of this ministry, just for this opportunity to uh, really just come before you all and just share a word um, that the Lord has, um, you know, birthed inside of my um, spirit. And before I get started, I'm going to just go ahead and um, pray us in and we'll get started. Father God, I just thank you so much just for this opportunity, Father God, to um, come before your flock, Father God, come before your people, Father God. And I'm so grateful for just this opportunity, Father God, to share a word that you have placed in my heart, placed in my spirit, and is now being birthed right now in this moment for such a time as this, God. I don't know where each of us stand in our journeys and in our walks, God, with you, but I truly pray that this be a, a message, Father God, um, that is purpose, which I purposed it for to encourage and comfort us, Father God, as we're on this journey uh, with you, Father God. So I just thank you for this opportunity, Holy Spirit. I just pray that you um, allow me to deliver this message in the way that it was given to me. Um, and even if I have to get off my nose, get off my topic, I'm okay with that because Holy Spirit, I just want you to have your way. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm open to that. So I just thank you for this opportunity um, to share this message. I pray that it falls on good soil. You, I pray that you give us eyes, ears, and hearts, God, to see, hear, and feel you on today, Father God, because that's what I want um, your people to see today, God, not me, God, but I want them to see you, Father God, in this message, God, see your love, your grace your mercy and your redemption power um, throughout this message. So I thank you. I love you. I appreciate you guys just for this opportunity and the grace that you've given me um, to deliver this message. Again, I pray that it goes forth in the way that, um, that you will for it to go. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. So um, this message that um, I'm teaching today, um, it actually was something that was really, um, if you will, um, if we're going to talk about in a in a physical aspect conceived last year right and it's just now being birthed this year right so this was a message that um you know was really you know brought in my spirit last year when i was really going through like a struggle in my walk with christ y'all i'm talking about like uh, a struggle like where i wanted to just go ahead and just head out back into the world, back into my old ways, right? Um, and it was truly, um, truly a struggle for me. I had a lot that I was going through, a lot that was going on. Um, and for those of y'all who don't know, I've been on my walk with Christ. This year has made three years, right? Uh, so year two was last year. And if I could be real with y'all, that's when stuff really started to like sit in, right? Like, you know, it's like kind of like a physical relationship where right? you got the honeymoon period and it's all, you know, you're on fire for each other. You're doing good and everything is all sunshine and rainbows. And then you start to like stuff start to like really like settle in. Right. And that's 
how it was for me last year, right? Things started to just really settle in for me, right? I started to really experiencing some suffering and I started to really experience hardship and I started to really experience um, like what it, what it, what it meant to like really like obey God. And I, and I think the thing when it comes to obeying God, um, we have a choice to do it, right? Like we have a choice to obey God, right? He, he, he puts it out there. He gives us the instructions and we have a choice, right? To obey, right? He doesn't force us to do anything, right? Uh, but I found myself having a lot of that happen last year. And I'm like, man, like, this is, this is hard. Like I, I I'm really struggling. Like I, I, I do, I just kind of want to go back to my comfort zone. I kind of want to go back to what was, what seemed easy. Right. And I remember when I was having this struggle and I was having this uh, battle last year and I remember the Holy spirit because the enemy was putting some thoughts in my head, you know, about telling me about things that I missed, you know, in the world and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Right. And I remember the Holy spirit telling me that, I understand that the enemy is putting all these thoughts in your head about, oh, maybe the fun that you missed, the comfort, the easiness, but see, he's leaving out things, right? He's leaving out the part when you were depressed. He's leaving out the part where you were suicidal. He's leaving out the part where you found your worth and your value in men and it left you feeling all devastated, right? See, the enemy only tells part of the story. So he was making me feel, you know, and miss all of these things that I thought was fun, that I thought was comfort. And I thought were all these other things, but he was leaving out the other part of it, right? The part that got God has restored. I'm no longer depressed. I'm no longer suicidal. My word is no longer found in man. I'm secure in who I am and whose I am, right? And see, God has allowed me to uh, uh, to really stand on that, right? So that's how this message uh, became a uh, uh, birth, right, this year, when I really got to realize that this is truly a Christ walk not always a cakewalk. So that is my topic for today. I want to talk to us surrounding this topic and the title of this is a Christ walk, not always a cakewalk, right? So the sole purpose of my message today, friends, is for edification and exhortation for the body of Christ. I want to encourage us, you know, that although this walk is not always a cakewalk, it is inevitable, friends. It is inevitable, right, that we stay the course, right? We stay the course. I don't know about y'all, but I know people who have went back into the world. I'm talking about people who were on fire for Jesus. They were on fire for him and they went back into the ways and the patterns of the world. And I found myself kind of at that crossroad too, right? I found myself at that fort, right? Wanted to go back to the comfort. And when I tell you, when I, when I tell you, when I, God, when I tell you, he'd be fighting for us, like he, he's truly fighting for us. And I felt he was really fighting for me in that moment. Like, look, my child, I know that, you know, the comfort and the things that, but listen, don't, don't forget about when you were feeling like this, when you were depressed, you were low, you were, you were, you were all of these things, right? Like, don't forget about that, right? Don't, don't forget about that part because the enemy is only telling you half the story, right? So again, um, it's inevitable, friends, that we stay the course. So that's the purpose of my message is for edification, for exhortation, right? Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 um, and 11, therefore encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing. So that is my purpose. And that's what I really wanted to come um, on here uh, and do today to really just encourage us to comfort us, right? Because as Christians, uh, we are faced with a lot, right? Like, let's be real. Like we are truly faced with a lot. Kaya just share something that that like as a Christian how do you how do you go about this in the most Christ-like way you know what I'm saying like we are faced with so many different 
you know, things, right? And and by default, our flesh wants to go ahead and spend a block and going back to that school and 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 let these folks have a piece of my mind. Like that's default what we want to do, right? So it's not always easy, right, to to yield to the spirit. It's not always easy to uh, yield to the Christ-like way, right? But it's truly inevitable, you know, that we do, right? So um just to kind of continue to transition into my message. I'm a definition girl. I'm kind of like Angie. I like definitions. I like to make things uh, make sense and come alive, right? So by definition, right, something being a cakewalk, right, it simply means something that is absurdly or a surprisingly easy task, right? So when I say this is a price walk, not always a cakewalk. By definition, something being a cakewalk, it means that it's an easy task. Like it's surprisingly, absurdly easy, right? And so uh, to kind of put a definition behind Christ walk, right? Now, this ain't a Googleable definition, right? This ain't something I got off Google. This is something I got from the Holy Spirit, right? As we were kind of putting this message together and I came up with this definition for, you know, what a Christ walk really is, right? And I don't know what it is for you, but I know what it is, you know, has been for me, right? Because all of our walks are different and unique, but I can't guarantee that some of these things may be relatable to you all as well, right? So by definition, from what the Holy Spirit has given me about what a Christ walk is, right? It means a journey of cross-carrying, okay? A journey of cross-carrying, fully surrender and submitted to the will, way, plans of God, never giving up, always getting back up, open confession of sins and struggles while on this journey, and most importantly, complete obedience. Y'all, those things that I named are not easy. Like these are not easy tasks, right? These are not easy tasks. It's not easy, right, to always carry your cross, right? It's not easy to always die to your flesh, right? It's not easy always being submitted to the will, the way, and the plans of God, right? Because I have a will. The uh, God has a will, and you got the enemy. He has a will, right? His is to kill, still and destroy. So we got all these different wills, right? So it's not always easy, right, to submit, right, to the will, the way, and the plan of God. That's why it's not always a cakewalk, because it's not always easy, you know what I'm saying, if we're being honest, right, and it's not always easy being open about your sins and your struggles, but y'all, that's what is a part of this Christ walk. We have to be open about our sins. We have to be open about our struggles, right? James 5 and 16 tells us this, right? This is in the Bible, talking to believers, telling us that, you know, you need to confess your sins to one another. Why? So that you may be healed right so that lets me know and should let you know that we're gonna have some mess ups are we gonna have some 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 fallbacks it's gonna happen but you need to understand on this Christ walk you need to be open you need to put some light and shed some light on that struggle right and that is not always easy to do right it's not always easy to do hasn't been for me but it's been something that I've been uh, finding comfort in especially in this community and read pray share they know I've, I've opened up about some things about some struggles and when I tell you I've seen that verse come alive so that you may be healed I've seen that healing take place when I open up and confess my sins and my struggles y'all and again like I said on this Christ walk never give up right and you always get back up right like I said, last year, I had a moment where I wanted to give up. Like I wanted to just give up, throw in the towel and go back, y'all. Yes, I fell down, but I got my butt back up, right? And I didn't get up off my own strength, off my own muscle. I had the help of the Holy Spirit helping me get back up and to continue to press forward on this walk. So that's the definition that I have for what a Christ walk you know, truly is, right? At least for me, but I do believe um, that, you know, it's something that you all can relate to as well in your, on your Christ walk. And I just want to take a moment because I was just meditating on my message this morning. And I just want to take a moment to shout out 
everyone on here who is continuing to walk this Christ walk out with all, you know, with all reverence for the Lord, with all, you know, uh, uh, due diligence with all of it. I want to shout you out. I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus for six days, for six months, six years or 16, whatever. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. I want to shout you out for keep on keeping on, right? Because it is a hard, it is a hard walk, right? It's a difficult path to travel. The scripture that I'm about to get into, our foundational text is going to tell us that, right? So I want to shout you out, right? And I want to give you your kudos and I want to give you your props, right? Because it's not, it's, it's, it takes two, right? It takes two. So you are partnering with the Holy Spirit, right? You're partnering with the Holy Spirit. So I want to shout you out as well for continuing to persevere on your journey and persevere on your walk, despite the challenges, despite the struggles that you may have faced and the persecution and the all of the offenses, the, the betrayal, the loss of friends, the pruning, the exposing. And, you know, that's that these are all things that we experience on this price walk because it ain't always just about everybody else. Sometimes it's about us, too. Right. God is exposing us to us. Right. Because he's been doing a lot of that. And I think that's where I got a little upset because I'm like, you ain't had to do all that. You had to tell me all that about me. Right. That's what I think that's what it's probably what did it for me. Right. I was like, oh, nah, this man exposing me. But. We thank God for discipline and we thank God for the chastisement because the Bible tells us that he chastises and disciplines those that he loves, right? And just like a parent, right? Just like a parent. I love my daughter to death. I'm not going to sit up here and not chastise her and not discipline her. What kind of parent would I be, right? So once I cultivate that mindset that that's how God sees me as I'm truly his child, I'm his daughter, right? And he loves me, right? And he don't want me to be out here, you know what I'm saying? Foolish and ignorant and, you know, to, to sins and things that I'm doing, right? So we thank God for that as well. Now, again, getting to my foundational text, friends. So like I said, how I know from a biblical standpoint that this Christ walk is without doubt a challenge at times and not always easy is from a passage of scripture in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Again, Matthew 7 through uh, 7, 13 through 14 is going to be our foundational text for this message on today, right? And I'm reading from the Amplified Translation because I love the Amplified it just really amplifies. So it says, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are very few who find it. My God, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal life. And there are many who enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are very few who find it, right? So this scripture lets me know, right? And the scripture should also let you know that this Christ walk, it is not child's play, nor for the faint hearted right? This Christ walk is not child's play and it is not for the faint of heart and it will not always be a cakewalk, right? But this should not be something, friends, that make us fear getting in relationship with God because I, I don't know everyone's relationship status with Jesus, right? I don't know if you are in a relationship with him or if you're not, but if you're not, right, it shouldn't be something that makes you fear, right? Being in a relationship with Jesus and for those of us who have been, you know, walking with Christ, right? This should not be something um, that makes us uh, truly fear, you know, wholeheartedly walking with Christ because reading that, it could be a little intimidating, right? Narrow is the path, right? 
uh, and, and very few find it, right? Like that could be a bit intimidating, right? But that shouldn't be something that makes us truly fear wholeheartedly walking this Christ walk out, but rather encourage us, right? To ensure we are the very few, right? Who not only finds, but continues to walk that narrow path, right? And then when I was thinking about this scripture, and again, this is a scripture that actually, again, had came to my, um, you know, came to my heart and my spirit last year when I was having this struggle and this battle about wanting to go back into the world. This was the scripture that was, that I was led to, right? Like that path, it may seem easy. It may seem comfortable to go down because it's a, it's a, it, it seems easy, right? It seems easy, but when you really think about it, it's really not. That broad, easy path, it's just comfortable, right? It allows people to have this illusion of control that they have. It allows them to not be under submission to nobody, right? It, that, that's what it is, right? But that narrow path, right, is uncomfortable. When you think about a narrow path, you're uncomfortable. You're like this, right? And that's what this walk with Christ is. It's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. You have to be submitted, right? You have to be surrendered, right? It's, 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 it's a path that is truly difficult because it allows and it has for us to die to ourselves, right? And that broad path, that easy path, you ain't really got to die to yourself. You can just pretend to be away. You can pretend to be holy, pretend to be right. You can pretend it's, it's a lot of that, right? On that broad and easy to travel path, but on that narrow path, it really ain't no pretending, right? Because it's going to, it's, listen, you, it ain't going to be long before you, you can't fake it till you make it for long on that narrow path, right? Because we, like I said, we've seen plenty of people. I don't know about y'all, but I've seen many people you know, go, go back down that broad and that path that it seems easy to travel, right? So again, now make no mistake, y'all, make no mistake, right? It may be a difficult path to travel, but it is not impossible, right? And I, and I believe that's something that the Holy Spirit also allowed me to see last year. It's a difficult path to travel, daughter, but it is not impossible, right? It is not an impossible. We really do have all that we need to endure and persevere on this journey, right? It's truly just a matter of us making conscious and intentional choices to yield to all that we have, right? So if we don't have a community, if we don't have a, a, a solid foundation in our word, in our word, right? If we're not praying, like we're not doing all these things that we're supposed to do. These are our spiritual disciplines, right? These are spiritual disciplines, right? That we should be doing, right? This is what's going to keep us on that narrow path, right? So if we are not making conscious and intentional decisions, right, to yield to all that we have to stay the course, then you know what, what then what can we do, right? Because at the end of the day, y'all, this Christ walk is work right? It takes work, you know, in this walk. And just like with any other relationship, you know, what's helped me with my relationship with Christ is thinking about my, my, my relationships with people, right? Thinking about my relationships with people, right? It takes work to, to have a friendship, right? To have a friendship, like with friends, it takes intentional work, right? And in, in, in romantic relationships, it takes work, right? It takes work. So what makes me think we're going to just get off scot-free with Jesus and we ain't, we can't put in no work with him, right? So we have to understand that it takes work, right? For this relationship to truly uh, function in the way that it, that, 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 that God desired for it to function, right? Because he wants us to choose him, right? He's not going to force us to choose him. He's not going to force us to, you know, to, 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 to be in a relationship with him, to love him, to see his value. I don't want to be in a relationship with nobody. I got to force myself to force you to see all that about me. I want you to choose to see that. I want you to choose to do that, right? So I want us on this morning, right, as we're thinking about this message, right, I want you to choose, right, choose to yield, right, to the things that are going to keep you and myself on that narrow path, right? Again, that's community, right? Yielding to your community, 
that's been my that's been my that's been my strength on this journey, right? Without repressure, I don't know where I would be, right? I don't know where I would be. I don't know if I would still be on this narrow path, right? I really don't know. And I have had one too many times where the enemy has tried to convince me to step down from leadership. I told this to only one person, but when I was in my struggles and in my in my in my battles, the enemy tried to convince me to step down from leadership. He tried to convince me of that. And y'all know what God told me. He said, you better not. You better not step down because this is your, this is, this, this is my accountability. This is how I stay on my narrow path. I step down from men. I step down from leadership. I step down from ministry. Then I'm allowing the enemy to go ahead and make me think, okay, you know what? Yep. She's not in this high place no more. This leadership. Now she, I can really get her to, to go this way. I can really get her. I can't get it in. I can't give him no foothold on me. I can't. Right. And I don't know where you at in your walk, what, what God has you in or doing right, but you bet not step down from it. Right. You, you, you bet not, you bet not let go of that community. You bet not let go of that. You don't do that. Right. You better, you better stay in your, in your word. Right. You better keep praying. Right. You have to. Right. And I'm sorry that I have to be so blunt about it, but this is how we stay on the narrow path because it's a difficult path to travel. It is. It is. So we have to make sure we're doing our part to stay on that path, right? It's not all just uh, Jesus doing all the work. We have to do our part. All right. I know that was a mouthful, guys, but that's just kind of the, the foundation, the basis of the message. Now, at this point um, in my Bible study journey with you all, I want to take a look at one particular biblical figure, right? And what we can learn from his journey. So again, thinking about our scripture, Matthew 7, uh, 13, 13 through 14, and we're thinking about this narrow path and we thinking about this broad path and we're thinking about the, how the broad path is easy, the narrow path is difficult, right? I want to take a look at one particular biblical figure and what we can learn from his journey, right? Because who better to go go to, right? And go, you know, look at is the, the people in the Bible, right? These are our examples. This Bible is our example, right? This, this is, this is, this is our example. This is what we are to look to, right? There's nothing wrong with looking to, you know, a friend or a parent who may have went through some things, a spiritual mother, a spiritual father. It's nothing, nothing absolutely wrong with that. But I like to go to the Bible, this, 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 this Holy Spirit inspired, this God breathed word to see what can I learn? Because I guarantee you, you can find something in this Bible, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're struggling with, I guarantee you, you're going, you can find it up in this word. I guarantee God is sovereign. He got it all. It's all covered, right? It's all covered in his word. Um, so I just want us to look at this one particular biblical figure and see what we can learn from his journey and how we can see the goodness, the grace, the love, and the redemption power of Jesus to encourage us on our Christ walk, right? So I want to take a look at Peter. I love Peter's story. I love, I love Peter as a person, like as I started to really uh, do more research and just, you know, looking, you know, into, you know, who Peter was as a, as a biblical figure. Um, I want to take a look at Peter, right, during our brief uh, time today, right? So as you all know, with Peter's story, um, you know, he had the story about him, you know, denying Jesus the three times, right? And to me, um, in my opinion, I believe that that's one of the most uh, profound stories in the New Testament, right? Aside from, of course, obvious, you know, Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. Aside from that, I believe Peter's story is truly so powerful, right? Because Peter, right, this is someone who is one of Jesus' 12 disciples, right? He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was his right-hand man, right? He was one of his closest companions. He was zealous for Jesus. He loved the Lord, right? He was one of the first among the disciples to identify that he was the Messiah, right? We also see that he had a protective side to him, right? When Jesus was about to be betrayed and handed over, we see he chopped off old dude's ear. Like he, he was, you know, he was protective of Jesus, right? So knowing Peter, 
we can come to the conclusion that Peter was one of the, you know, one of the 12 disciples who was on that narrow path, right? Because think about it, you know, Jesus called, you know, Peter from out of his, you know, fisherman lifestyle, right? And to come and live and do life with him, right? So he was on that narrow path, right? He was, he was living that narrow path and he was, you know, he really did, you know, love Jesus, right? I can, I can see that from, you know, the things that I have read about him, right? So like I said, he was one of the ones who was on that narrow path, but his story shows us how quickly he deserted Jesus, right? How quickly he deserted Jesus and he went on that broad path, right? He went on that easier to kind of travel path when he denied Jesus, right? But the story didn't end there, right? So now I don't want to assume that everyone knows the story um, with, you know, Peter and I want to take us to it. Um, it's in, We're going to be in Luke, um, Luke 22. I personally like Luke's account of Peter's denial. Um, I personally, again, this is, is, is in all four gospels, but I personally like Luke's account of this gospel. So we're going to be in Luke 22 and I'm going to read, uh, the first portion, uh, 31 through, uh, 34, where we, where we see where Jesus, uh, prophetically tells Peter that he's going to deny him. Right. So starting at Luke 22, um, 31, it says Simon. So a little context, I'm sorry, before this, we see that the disciples are actually at the last supper, right? They're at the last supper at this moment. And they're also having a debate about who's the greatest, right? Luke's account talks about, you know, how the disciples had this, you know, debate about who was the greatest among them or whatever like that. Um, and here's where we get this passage in Luke 22, 31, where uh, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, listen, Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain, but I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail. And you once, and you, once you have turned back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, before the roosters crow today, you will utterly deny three times that you know me, right? So we see here where Peter is, uh, Jesus is telling Peter, you know, look, Simon, Satan has already asked for permission to, to, to get a hold of all of y'all, right? He's already asked for permission for that. But God, but Jesus says, I have prayed for your faith. And I think that that is just so powerful because he already knew that Peter was going to fail. Peter himself was going to fail. But Jesus said, but Peter, I have prayed for your faith, that your faith may not fail. I know that you are going to, right? You are going to fail. You're going to deny me three times. But I pray that your faith, right, your confidence in me, right, my, my work, my power, what I can do, I pray that that doesn't fail, right? I pray that that doesn't fail. And I just thought that that was so powerful, right? So then we see the Peter talking about, you know, Lord, I'm ready to go to bat with you. I'm ready to go to prison and to death with you, right? He's really, you know, talking a good talk, right? He's talking a good game. He is, right? And I'm pretty sure deep down inside, he really had those good intentions, right? But we know what the words say, right? Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall, right? So, so he's very proud. He's very, very, you know, arrogant about that. And Jesus tells him that you're going to deny me three times. So if we jump right over into Luke 22, um, starting at uh, 54 is where we see Peter's denial. Again, I personally love Luke, Luke's account of Peter's denial. So in Luke 22, uh, 54 and it goes all the way down to 65 but I'm gonna just jump right over to where he denies him the three times and it says but Peter denied it saying woman I do not know him so we see the first woman there's a first woman who is coming to him saying you know this this man know him too or whatever and Peter is like woman I do not know him right and then the second time Peter denies him 
um, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And then there was a third time, the third denial, where there was another uh, person who came up to him and said, this man was with him talking about Jesus, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you were talking about. And I want to make sure I make something clear. This word deny in this original context does not mean someone who is denying who Jesus is in his sovereignty, right? Peter was not denying him the fact that he's the Messiah, right? The fact that he is the son of God, right? He's actually denying just his acquaintance with him, his relationship with him, right? So I want to make that clear, right? He wasn't denying who Jesus was in his nature and his character, the Messiah, that's not how he was denying him. He was denying his acquaintance and his relationship with him. Because I know that word can sound kind of strong, deny, right? But I want to make that clear to us, right? Because that's going to be important as we continue to go through our message, right? So that third time Peter denied Jesus, uh, this is in Luke twenty two sixty. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you were talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. The reason why I like Luke's account of this, because none of the other gospel accounts actually share this intimate detail where it says immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And it says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Y'all, I, I would have probably lost my mind too. Like the Lord turned and looked at Peter looking like I told you. I knew I, I told you this was going to happen. And it says that um, that uh, Peter, he wept, he went and wept bitterly, deeply grieved and distressed. Like I cannot even imagine someone who is so zealous for God, loves God, loves him so much. One of his 12 disciples, you know, one of the ones who is, you know, who's 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 identifying who he is, you know, as the Messiah, like deserted him that quickly, like left his side that quickly. You know what I'm saying? And then the Lord looks at you, lays eyes with you like that, that right there. Like, I don't know why I felt, I felt that personally, like just really heartfelt to me. But that's when I think about my relationship with God, even though I'm not able to look Jesus face to face in his eyes, how Peter did. I think about when I'm having intimate conversations with Jesus. And as I shared with you all, like two Thursdays ago, when I talked about on uh, Thursday live about how is Jesus really enough for you I felt like God was looking at me asking me that and I felt like Peter like I just wept so bitterly and I felt so grieved and I'm like man like I was very very repentant like Peter was right so understanding this story and you know knowing that this is someone who was on that narrow path with Jesus and how easily and how quickly you know he deserted Jesus and went to that broad path and the reason why I say that is because that broad path in the context of that time there was a whole bunch of the, the religious leaders the pharisees the sadducees all of them was on that path of basically denying jesus they, they that's that's what they did right they didn't want to accept who he was right who he really was a person that was prophesied to them that that was going to come right for them because he didn't look like how they thought he was going to look right he they didn't they didn't think he was going to come in peace how he did right so that was the broad path that most of the people in that context and in that time that's the path that they were going down denying Jesus or ready to kill him, ready to, you know, hand him over to the, to the, to the, uh, to the, to the Roman authorities, right. To kill him, right. Crucify him. Right. And then we see Peter desert quickly to that path, like that broad path easily. You know, I don't know him. I don't know that man. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. That was the easy thing for him to do. Right. Cause he's under all of this pressure, 
right? He's under pressure. And I'm, as I'm reading, I'm thinking about it, you know, and it's easy to read these Bible stories and read these things and be like, I would never do that. Like, that's, that's not something I would ever do, right? But you can't say that you, you don't know what you would not do in a situation like that, right? I can't even imagine the pressure, right, that he felt, right, as he's being, you know, being basically like said that, you know, hey, you, you're one of it, you're one of them, right, type of thing. So, Knowing that story and um, John's account, I'm not going to go too much into detail about that, but in John's account of this story is where we see um, Jesus actually redeems uh, Peter three times. So the same amount of times that uh, Peter denied Jesus, we also see where uh, uh, Jesus restores and redeems Peter those three times. And that's in John 21. John 21, 15 is where we see in his, uh, in John's uh, account of the gospel uh, where we see is where he restores Peter, right? So Peter denied him those three times and Jesus restored him the same amount of times that he denied him. See, Peter was very, very repentant. He was very, um, and I'm pretty sure he felt a lot of shame. I'm sure he felt a lot of grief. I'm sure he felt a lot of different emotions, but his repentant heart made all of the difference for God to come in and restore him and redeem him, right? And we know Peter became such a powerful figure um, in the church age in the book of Acts, right? He taught the first sermon, right? He got, A lot of people got saved and baptized, right? So, so that, that right there in and of itself is powerful and lets us know what Jesus can really do with a repentant heart, right? Again, that's in John 21, 15, where we see where Jesus actually restores and redeems Peter uh, for what he did um, when he had denied him. And at this point in my Bible study journey with y'all, I really just want to take a look at, you know, three, three points about some key emphasis, key emphasis points that we can learn as Christians in our, you know, day and time, what we can learn from Peter's journey, right? As he was one of the disciples that was on that narrow path, right? But did have a moment of being deserted to that, you know, that, that, that other path that most of the people in his time we're, we're falling down. I want to see what we can learn uh, from his story, right? So the first thing that we can learn from Peter's story um, is that uh, we, ha we have to understand that uh, denying Jesus does not, does not always look like how uh, Peter denied Jesus, right? We may not always say, you know, oh, I don't know him. I don't know that man. I don't know Jesus. I don't know the Messiah. We may not always say that, right? So we must be cognizant as Christians, right, that there are other ways you know, while we're on our Christ walk with Jesus, while we're on this journey with Jesus, that there are other ways that, you know, we could deny Jesus, right? And I want to give us a few examples, right, that we must be mindful of, of some ways that we can deny Jesus. So one way is that we can, another one way that we can deny Jesus is not acknowledging Jesus before others, right? And this is technically what Peter did, but like I said, we may not always do it how Peter did and say, oh, I don't know that man, or I don't know him, I don't know what you're talking about, right? But not acknowledging Jesus before for others. An example of this, I had a coworker um, that I was talking to and I started, you know, bringing up talking about God and um, things like that while I was uh, having a conversation with him, having a conversation with her. And, you know, she kind of got like real quiet and started to walk a little closer to me. And she was like, you know, she was like, I really be wanting to, you know, talk about my faith and talk about God, you know, she's like, but I just be kind of afraid, you know, she was just basically, basically not acknowledging that this is her basically not acknowledging Jesus before others. And this is a way that we can indirectly deny Jesus, right? Indirectly. It may not be directly how Peter did, how he said, I do not know this man. I don't know what you're talking about, right? But there, this is a way that we can indirectly deny Jesus, right? 
one by not acknowledging Jesus before others. You, 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 when, when, when it, the talk about it, you, 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 you got, you, you know, cat got your tongue, right? You don't, you don't say anything, right? You don't acknowledge him. You don't acknowledge your relationship with him, your love for him, right? So that's one way. A second way that we can indirectly deny Jesus is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a big one. This was one that I had to be convicted about, right? This is one that I had to like really, when God started to like expose some things to me, right? Hypocrisy is another way that we can indirectly deny Jesus, right? You saying one thing, right? You saying one thing, you shouting on the mountaintop, you're a Christian and you're a disciple of Jesus and you love God, but your life is a mess. Your life is not, your life does not mount up to what you're saying, right? So it's hypocritical, right? This is a way that we can indirectly deny Jesus, right? We're saying one thing, but we're doing a whole nother thing within our lifestyle, right? Within our lifestyle. So that's one way. Uh, the second way, I'm sorry. Another uh, way that we can uh, indirectly deny Jesus is neglecting to spread the good news, right? This is another way that we can indirectly, friends, deny Jesus. Again, like I said, remember that word deny does not mean that you're denying who Jesus is and his nature and his sovereignty. It means that you're denying acquaintance and relationship with that, with, with Jesus, right? So that's what that means. So you're neglecting to spread the good news when you have an opportunity, right? To share a, a piece of the good news with somebody. It may not even be the whole thing. You may just be able to share a piece of it with somebody, right? The fact that God loves them and there's grace and there's mercy and there's all these things that are readily, readily available to them, right? But you neglect to share that for whatever reason. I don't know. It could be fear, timidity, whatever the case may be. But this is a way that we can indirectly deny Jesus. The fourth way, I mean, the last uh, way that I'll give us is many other ways is I was just doing research on this. I'm just like, wow. But the fourth way that we can indirectly deny Jesus is being at places and in relationships we have no business being in. So being at places and in relationships, we have no business being in, right? We're at places where relationships that do not glorify God, that do not, that do not, that do not glorify and edify us, right? That, you know, not saying that we are to be glorified or anything like that, but that that relationship, that place has no edification for us. We have no business being there, right? So that is the fourth and last way, friends, that we can indirectly deny Jesus, right? We're being in relationships and places we have no business being in. Jesus is not in that, right? He's not, he's not there. He's not in that, right? So we don't want to deny our relationship and our acquaintance with him by being in places that, that he's not in, right? So uh, that's the first, you know, key uh, emphasis point. The second point um, about what Peter's story teaches us as we're on our Christ walk is that no matter how deep your faith is and how elevated your knowledge may be, we are human and vulnerable to making mistakes and missing the mark. And Peter shows us this, right? Peter was very, very prideful, very boastful about, you know, about how he's going to, you know, to prison and to death. Like he's doing all these things for Jesus, right? But Peter's story tells us, you know, and, and shows us, right? It don't matter how zealous, how, how long you've been on your walk, how much knowledge, what revelation the Holy Spirit gave you about who Jesus is, none of that, right? You are human, we are human, and we are vulnerable to making mistakes and missing the mark. James 4 and 6 tells us that God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble, right? God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. God could not use Peter, or Jesus could not use Peter in the way that he used him if he was prideful, right? Peter was a better tool for the kingdom being humble, right? He was a better tool for the kingdom being lowly, right? He was a better tool. God can't do nothing with a prideful spirit. He can't do nothing with that, right? So please be mindful of that as you're on your Christ walk, right? Please be mindful of that, right? 
It don't matter how much you know. Me and Maria, we were actually talking about this. We were doing a devotional together and we were talking about how, you know, we were we were trying to be so perfect on our walks and we were still missing the mark. We thought we was just so good and so holier than thou and we was just so this and we were still missing the mark. Right. So it was an opportunity for us to be humbled. It was an opportunity for us to to, you know, to 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 really be in a low position. Right. Realizing that, look, uh, I'm nothing without Jesus. I'm nothing without his help. I need to remain humble at all times on this Christ walk and not be too proud. You know what I'm saying? Thinking I can't fall, thinking I can't mess up and miss the mark. Right. So that's that. And then another thing that Peter's story teaches us, and this is my favorite one. Um, failure is not fatal. The third thing that Peter's story teaches us, failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal. Too many times when we Christians, when we miss the mark, we find ourselves faced with this huge temptation, right? This huge temptation to give up. Like myself, I was faced with this huge temptation last year to just give up, right? And even some have even found themselves reverting back to old ways, right? We have, we, we, we see that within, you know, within either community or friends or whatever, we see that, right? When they miss the mark, they mess up, they allow the enemy to infiltrate their minds and make them feel like they ain't good and ain't this and ain't that, they should just go back, right? And if y'all know anything else about Peter's story, John's account of the story tells us that Peter ended up going back to being, being a fisherman, he ended up going back to being a fisherman. This was after his denial, after I'm sure he felt lots of shame, lots of guilt, lots of remorse. He felt like just so many different emotions. It even drove him back to being a fisherman. And we know the story that God called him out of that. And while he was doing, going back to his old way, his old lifestyle, he wasn't even successful. He wasn't even successful. He went, he didn't catch now fish and he didn't catch no fish until Jesus showed up. So Jesus actually met Peter where he was at, right? And he did not condemn him. And this is all in John's account in John uh, 21, if you want to read about it, um, where Jesus met him where he was at. And I think, let me, let me see if I can, if I can find, um, if I can find it where I wanted to, where I wanted to, I can't find it right now. But um, again, Peter went back to his old life and he wasn't successful. And that, that's, that's a lot of us. That's a lot of us and a lot of people that we see today right? They're faced with this temptation to give up and they go back and they just go back you know, to their old life. They go back to their old life and they find themselves not even, it, it don't even hit the same. You going back to your old life, it don't even hit the same, right? How it once used to, because God calls you out of that. That's not where you belong. Peter, you're no longer a fisherman. I told you you're going to be a fisher of men. You, you, that's why you're not catching no fish because that's not your call. That's, that's not where I need you, right? That's not where I need you. So, like I said, we find ourselves faced with this temptation to give up and even revert back to our old lifestyles, right? Lifestyles that God has called us out of, right? He's called us out of that, right? And we find ourselves faced with these things and, and, and these temptations because of the shame, because of the guilt and the condemnation and believing the lies of the enemy. But Jesus clearly shows us with Peter's story, right? He clearly shows us that he was and he still is in the redemption business, y'all. He is still in the redemption business. I love what Ephesians 1 and 7 tells us. It says, in him, we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which paid the penalty 
for our sins and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. I was having a conversation with someone and I was telling them like, well, as, as I'm on this Christ walk, something you have to be convinced about is what was done for you on the cross. That's the only way that you're not going to walk in condemnation. That's the only way that you're not going to walk in shame and you're not going to walk in guilt when you miss the mark, right? You have to be convinced about what was done for you on the cross. Shame nailed to the cross, guilt nailed to the cross, condemnation nailed to the cross, death, death, look, defeated defeated. But this is, of course, for those of us who are in relationship with Jesus and he is your Lord and your Savior. You have been completely pardoned of your sins. Everything that was supposed to be done to you was done to Jesus, right? So you have to walk confidently in that redemption. And Peter's story shows us and tells us that God is still in the redemption business. So failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal, right? And um, even with, like I said, Peter's failures, even with his failures and, you know, his, his mess ups and his denying of Jesus, right? Jesus still chose Peter, right? He still chose him and he still allowed for him to be such a powerful, uh, a biblical figure in the church age, right? We know Peter was the first one to preach at Pentecost, right? After the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus told them to, to not leave, to not go nowhere until the Holy Spirit empowers you to you get that promise, to you get your helper, right? To help you do what it is I'm calling you to do, right? We see, right, where he preached the very first sermon, right? And it was powerful. Lots of people got saved and lots of people got baptized. We also got two epistles. We got the first and second Peter. We got two letters from him, right? So he was a very powerful figure that was still used. And I don't know where you are on your journey, you know, what mess ups you may have made, what slip ups, what this, what that. But I want you to know that God can do a lot with your repentant heart, right? He can do a lot. Peter's story proves and shows us this, that God can use and do a lot with a very repentant, Holy Spirit-filled heart, right? So when you are repentant, right? And this is the difference between Peter and Judas, right? Because when you think about the story, you think about, okay, Peter was repentant and then you got, you got, you got Judas. He was, he was more remorseful. He was just, he just more, he, he just felt more so regret for what he did. But we got Peter, he was, he was repentant, right? He was very repentant. Right. And see, Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus, right, who handed him over and betrayed him. He went he looked for a way out. He went and hung himself. He looked for a way out. That's not what we need to be trying to do, friends. I'm not talking about, you know, suicide, but I'm saying like we don't need to be trying to look for a way out, like trying to go back into the world, like how I was trying to do. Like I was basically just trying to look for a way out. Like I don't want to I, I just can't do this no more. I, I'm just going to look for a way out. Instead of just being truly repentant, truly sorry for what I have done and, and understanding that this is a Christ walk and not always a cake walk. So understand God can do a lot with your repentant heart. He can do a lot with that. We see that with Peter, somebody again, who was on that narrow path and ended up falling, you know, swaying over to that broad path. He can do a lot with your repentant heart. He can restore you. He can still use you. You're still powerful. You're still chosen. You're still loved, right? Peter's story shows us that. And to end my message, friends, uh, I just want to sum everything up in just a few key points for us on today. And uh, in addition to my key points, also uh, practical steps that we can take to stay on that narrow path, right? So my first point, uh, my first takeaway point um, that I want us to um, be mindful of is that what you go through on this side of heaven as a devout, sold out Christian, it is not in vain, right? What you go through on your Christ walk, in your Christ walk, it is not in vain, right? So please understand that I know it's hard. I know it's a struggle. I know it's tough, right? I want you to keep doing good when nobody watching. 
keep having integrity, right? Keep like, especially when nobody's watching, I think those are the most powerful, powerful moments, right? Like, especially when nobody watching, right? You still choosing to choose God, right? Even in that secret place, you still choosing to say yes to God, right? So what you go through on this side of heaven as a sold out Christian, I'm talking sold out for him. It is not in vain. It is not in vain. Please understand you may, if you don't see anything on this side of heaven, please know that you have a reward in heaven waiting for you. You have a reward in heaven waiting for you. We see this in the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation with the, with the, with the, with the different churches at the end of each church, God said, Hey, he who overcomes to the end, there's a reward. There's a reward. This is in revelations to the churches, <laughs> to us, to you, to me, right? We are the church, right? There's reward. For the one who overcomes to the end. My second point, uh, takeaway point is the side effect of being a sold out Christian is hardship. So the diagnosis is sold out Christian and the side effect of that is hardship. Okay. So the side effect of being a sold out Christian is hardship. It's inevitable. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that tells us this, that, hey, you're going to face troubles in this world. You can find them all throughout the Bible. There's many of scriptures that tells us that we're going to face troubles. It ain't a matter of if, it ain't a matter of maybe, it's a matter of when. You're going to experience hardships. You're going to experience the suffering, right? You're going, to, it's, it's going to happen, right? It's, it's going to happen and it's inevitable, right? It's inevitable. But remember what I said early in the message, you must yield to, to all that you have and all that you need to stay on that narrow path, right? To stay on that narrow path during those hardships and during uh, and on this difficult to travel path that the word tells us um, on this narrow path. And just my third point is just a, a, a re-emphasis of what I've already said. Failure is not fatal. I cannot emphasize that enough. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, I'm talking born again, believer of, you know, transformed, reborn from above, spirit filled, led and all that good stuff. Failure is not fatal. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And I, again, like I said, you have to be convinced about that. Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to help you be convinced about what Jesus has done for you on the cross. So you do not walk around in condemnation. You don't walk around in shame. You don't walk around in guilt. You don't, you, you, why are you picking up things that God has already put to death? Don't, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Don't pick up what God has already laid to rest. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So understand failure is not fatal. It's not fatal. Peter's story tells us this, shows us this. Failure is not fatal. And lastly, friends, I want to end with uh, uh, four practical steps, right? Because I don't want to just give a message and not also give us some practical things that we can do to stay on this narrow path, right? So these are four practical steps that we can take to stay on this narrow path. Number one, you must read and meditate on God's word daily. That's just, it's just no way around it. I know it's probably a cliche, but we'll read the word. Yes, I know, but it's, it's, it's vital is vital, right? In order to stay on this narrow path, we must read and meditate on God's word daily, right? We have to, we have to. Joshua tells us this in Joshua 1.8, meditate on this word day and night, day and night. Don't let it leave from your mouth. If you want to be prosperous, you must meditate on this word day and night, right? So that's practical step number one. You must read and meditate on God's word daily. You have to feed your spirit with God's word. Don't leave no room for the enemy to 
to feed you. Don't leave no room for your flesh to feed you. Don't leave no room for your friends to feed you. Let the spirit feed you. Let his word feed you. Let his word keep you on that narrow path. The second practical step is prayer. Another one. I know I know it's cliche, but these are y'all, these are spiritual disciplines. We better not be sleeping on, right? This is what's gonna keep us on this narrow path. Prayer, right? This is your this is your direct line of communication with your father. This is when you can send up your earthly request to his heavenly throne, right? And then return. It's, it's a transaction. I like to I like to think about prayer as a transaction. I'm sending up my my earthly request, and he's sending down his peace. He's sending down his joy. He's sending down his comfort. He's sending down his love. He's sending down he's sending down the heavenly things, right? That I need to stay to stay to stay the course, right? I personally like to take prayer walks. I love going to this trail over by my house, and I love just walking and talking with Jesus, right? If you know anything about just exercise and working out, it releases good endorphins, right? It releases good endorphins, right? It makes you feel good, right? Instead of you just sitting in your house and, and just allowing, you know, the things that you're going through to fester and allowing the things in your mind to just go all, all, all to the wayside, right? Get out of your house. Go take a prayer walk. Go do, you know, just you have to make it practical, right? We have to make it practical. We can't give the enemy just no room. You know what I'm saying? To have, we can't have an idle mind. It's the devil's playground, right? So I like to get out of the house, go take a walk and just bask in God's beautiful creation, just looking at the trees, just the skies. I mean, I mean, the acorns even look beautiful. I ain't never looked at an acorn like that, but it's beautiful today. I'm just, I'm just grateful for the acorn and I see that I stepped on step down. But you know what I'm saying? I like, we got, we got to make it practical. We just have to make it practical, right? So, so, so go walk, go talk, go do something uh, uh, and release those good endorphins, right? Number three is identify and write out prayer prompts. Okay, identify and write out prayer prompts, right? So if you are finding yourself struggling with some things, right, you can even go to Google. Don't be afraid to go to Google, right? Go to Google and look up and see like, hey, what 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 scriptures, you know, help me with this? What scriptures help me with that? Get you some sticky notes, write that, write that out and post it somewhere. That's how you feed. That's this. These are practical ways, friends, that we stay on this narrow path, right? So you write and find you some prayer prompts, right? Get a sticky note and you post them on your on your mirror. You post them somewhere where you can see them, where you can feed your spirit uh, with that thing, whatever it is that you may feel like you may be struggling with, you need help with. Like I said, you can find it somewhere in God's word. And number four, and lastly, is community. Community, community, community. I can't stress this one enough. If you want to, again, stay on this narrow path, you're going to need some people that's that's walking a narrow path with you. You're going to need community. You're going to need some people that's going to walk this walk with you, right? You're going to need people that when your faith is on the two, that you need to go to somebody whose faith is on the 10 and you can pull from their faith, right? You need, you need that. You need that, right? This, was, this is the purpose of the church. We are the church, right? We are the ecclesia. We are the assembly. We are the church, right? Right. And, 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 if, and if we really, you know, uh, understand God's, you know, uh, desire for the church, you know, for the unity, the oneness, the wholeness. Right. It is truly a beautiful thing. So take advantage of your community. Stop trying to do community with people who still in the world and you wondering why you can't stay on a narrow path. That ain't going to cut it. Right. Your friends telling you, girl, let's just go ahead and go and get some to drink. I'm telling Kaya, sis, pray. You know what I'm saying? You need to be around some people like that. Right. You need to be in a community of people who are walking the narrow path with you. Right. You can't be trying to walk the narrow path and then hanging out with people on a broad path. Because guess what? You're going to get pulled right over there. You're going to get pulled right over. You got to you're going to get pulled right over. So get you get around some like minded people. Right. To help you stay on this narrow path. Right. So, friends, 
that concludes my message for today. I truly hope and pray that it has encouraged someone, it has blessed someone, and it has allowed someone to truly see Jesus, right? To truly see his love, his grace, his mercy, and his redemption power. And please understand again, friends, this is a Christ walk. It is not going to always be a cakewalk. But one thing I can bet you, one thing for certain, two things for sure, it's going to be worth it. It is going to be worth it. I cannot express that enough, y'all. I'm going on year three with my year three with my relationship with Jesus, and I I can't see myself going back. I can't, especially not after the encounter that I had, you know, just last year, where really birthed this message. And Jesus told me, "Look, <laughs> I know the enemy telling you, you know, trying to make you miss all this other stuff, but he leaving out the other part when you were depressed, when you were suicidal, when your work was in men. Like, you want to go back to that? Okay, okay. But I'm here to stay." I'm locked in, me and Jesus are for lifers, period. You know, I got to make it, you know, put it in our terminology. But um, that's my message on today, y'all. This is a Christ walk, not always a cake walk, but it is worth it. Jesus loves you. He just wants to be one with you, right? He just wants to be your God and you be his people, right? He want to walk this thing out with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He may not always take away the problems, but I can guarantee you he going to walk with you through them. And that's more than enough for me for him to walk with me, to give me the peace, to give me the hope, to give me whatever I need to get through, right? Give us this day our daily bread. And I believe that's another reason why I have been able to stay on this journey for the three years, because I just focus on the day that's at hand. I just get through that day. And it's been three years now. So I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. I pray that y'all are encouraged and y'all are blessed. If anybody want my prayer, if y'all want these notes, y'all are free to have them. If you want to meditate on it some more, y'all are free to have them. I can send it to you. Just reach out to me. And that's my message. I love y'all. God bless y'all.